there. Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guest is Alexis Ohanian, a founding owner of the NWSL's Angel City FC, a tech entrepreneur, co-founder of Reddit, and husband to Serena Williams. We've had some great guests lately, including Vladko Andonovsky, Melissa Ortiz, and Tom Statham, so check those out. Now, here's my interview with Alexis Ohanian. Our guest now, Alexis Ohanian, is joining us from Paris, where he's supporting his wife, Serena Williams, at the French Open. Ohanian is an owner of Angel City FC, which starts play in the NWSL next year. He's also a co-founder and former executive chair of Reddit and a prolific internet entrepreneur and investor, including in the site Gloria, which is building a global community for soccer fans. Alexis, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, Grant. Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, I want to start by asking about Angel City. Um, It's an exciting project. You have a lot of celebrity and soccer investors behind it. But you know what's interesting? There was a period for a while where on your Twitter, uh, you kept saying that you know women's soccer was going to be a great investment, and yes. and yet you hadn't gone announced this yet with Angel City. And I asked one NWSL owner at the time, and he was like, "You know, this guy's all hat and no cattle." I think was the quote. Oh, I love um, it. But then you went. I eat that up. But then you did it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, what was going on during that period where you were sort of proselytizing but hadn't announced Angel City yet? Was stuff already happening behind the scenes for Angel City? Yeah, and and look, I think it's it's interesting. Different business leaders do business differently. I I really try not to talk idly, and I think what I realized, and this was during. Gosh. Okay. So my literally my very first women's football match was in Paris. This was this is now a few years ago um, during the Women's World Cup when uh, the U.S. took on France. It must have been the quarterfinals. And a buddy of mine had said, "Dude, come over." I, I was in England. I think we're probably getting ready for Wimbledon. And I was somewhere between the continent and England. And then he said, come on by. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, this sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. And I was just amazed. I was so energized by the crowd, by the experience. And and candidly, that was the first time I'd ever watched these women play. Uh, It was the first time that I even really asked. Because I remember asking my buddy. I was like... Where I like I'm 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 aware of uh, the Megan Rapinos of the world, the Crystal Duns of the world, the Alex Morgans of the world. Where do they play? Like, why aren't they in the U.S.? And he looks at me and he's like, "Dude, it's the NWSL. Like, there's a there's a pro league in the U.S. How did you not know about it?" And I'm like, "Look, I've just been ignorant this whole time." But I'm watching this and I can't I can't wrap my head around sort of how undervalued these women were. Certainly, we can talk about pay equity across the World Cup teams, but but then once I, you know, I, I started doing a little, uh, a little searching around the interwebs and, and really started to dig into what an amazing undervalued opportunity this was. And so I started rage tweeting uh, <laughs> as that owner probably saw because it didn't make any sense to me, right? The, the sport of football in the United States is for the average American already kind of thought of as a, a women's sport in part because – 
the women's teams have been so dominant for so long. And also because as much success as the MLS has had, when it comes to male sports, they're going up against the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, like all world leagues that have a, a stranglehold on sort of the traditional American sports market. Now, I'm very long on football, both male and female in the U.S., but I realized you know, these women have already transcended the sport, right? You, you, you may not have ever watched Megan Rapinoe play, but you know her. Yeah. And the following she has, the community she has, the fact that these were icons already showed to me there was just a tremendous value that was being squandered in a lot of ways, underappreciated in a lot of ways. And in an age of social media, you know, it matters less and less uh, sort of what the gatekeepers have to say. And, and, and if the gatekeepers because they have chosen for so long to to under-market, to under-advertise, to under-promote, to under-report on these amazing women, to hell with them. doesn't matter anymore. Social media democratizes this, and the fan base is absolutely there. And, and I just started asking questions and talking to folks around the league. And then, you know, I was just very fortunate to then come across uh, Julie and Kara and Natalie, who said, I think by the end of that year, hey, we're looking to put something together. We have a vision. We think Los Angeles should absolutely have a, a pro women's football club. And, and I, was, I was bought in. And, and beyond that, I believed, you know, in the same model that I've looked at something like eSports um, and had success with, success with as an investor in a, a club there, Cloud9, I saw this model that could play out for something that was frankly way more marketable, right? The sport of football is a global sport. Uh, I love League of Legends, but it's pretty hard for the average person to watch a League of Legends final and understand what the hell is going on. And and yet esports has taken off, and deservedly so, uh, with a roster of stars that, again, the average person has very little knowledge of. Whereas, again, you have these talented women who are I think very desirable for advertisers and brands to get behind and have a, a huge fan base that's hungry for their greatness. So look, I, I'm going to keep tweeting about it. I've definitely put my money where my <laughs> mouth is and, and I'm excited. And I really think, sure, there's a lot of societal reasons why I want to see this be successful. Um, I, I remarked while my wife and I were watching the final that year, uh, and Olympia was running around in her little Alex Morgan jersey. I remarked to her that, you know, like any parent, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool Olympia, if, you know, you played in the, the World Cup one day? And without missing a beat, Serena was like, not until they pay her what she's worth. <laughs> and and I said, okay, all right, challenge accepted. Like, I, I have about 15, 16 years <laughs> to do everything that I can to help support this sport, to help mint. There should be multimillionaires. Uh, playing this right, they they should absolutely be getting paid what they're worth, and um, in order to create selfishly uh, <laughs> a more equitable uh, uh, sort of sport for for her if she chooses to follow it. Um, but I'm look, I'm coming at this not just from a it feels good standpoint, though it does. Um, I'm coming at this because I think it's going to look like a really obvious business decision in hindsight. And, uh, and I think there are a lot of people for a very long time who have been saying invest in women like they, they outperform on social media. They outcreate content on social media. Uh, brands want to get in front of the folks who control household spending, disproportionately women. Uh, and so I think you're going to see the business case really be pretty obvious uh, in the next decade. So your wife, Serena Williams, and your daughter, Olympia, are both part owners 
of Angel City That's as right. well. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I brought the family. It was, it was a weird gift <laughs> for sure, but I, I felt like I, it was the least I could do is bring bring the family into it. How well. engaged in the sport of soccer are they? Uh, I mean, obviously, Serena's got a, <laughs> a lot of day jobs. Um, uh, Olympia, though, I mean, she's three and a half, but it's 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 right now neck and neck between how much she enjoys playing football versus tennis. Okay. So it's it's been an easier it's definitely an easier on ramp of a sport because you know just about any kid can just kick a ball around and so she started with footy first, but I think I mean she's got some natural abilities uh, with tennis as well. So we we keep her active and you know she'll she'll do whatever she wants to do. But but not, right now she's not making any really important decisions or uh, <laughs> or suggestions. Uh, yeah, don't worry. Uh, so what's sort of your personal history with the sport of soccer in terms of your own interest? I, I've read your six five, which like that sounds like goalkeeper. I'm a big fella. Uh, you know, yep. Position but, called it, but. Like yeah. what's what's your history? Uh, remarkably little. Uh, you know, when I was, I think probably kindergarten, um, my folks, like any good at the time, we were living in the suburbs of Baltimore. You know, the DMV has a pretty strong. Uh, f- I keep calling it football, not just because I'm fine. in Europe, but that's also how we're teaching our daughter. Yeah. I hate to be that guy because I know it's I know it's soccer in America, but I'm really I'm all in on the football thing. Um, and and growing up in the suburbs of Baltimore. Like every you know suburban kid, my folks were like, "Go play, go play football, go play soccer." Uh, my dad even coached for a year, but he was he was an American football guy. I was very, raised absolutely in an American football household. That was the most important sport. That was the thing we watched every Sunday, and I was just not aware of anything else happening on in in global uh, global football. But um, you know, as I was getting older and older, I kept begging my parents, "I like, can I please play football, football, like American football?" Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't let me. Mm-hmm. Which was actually, and this was like the 80s Smart. and the early 90s. So I think they were ahead of the game on that. Um, so I just played. I played soccer like all the other kids, and and probably all the way until high school. By the middle of high school, then I was just like, okay, I'm done. My parents finally let me play. I've got to play my senior year uh, football. But uh, you know, for all those years, I just played soccer at, because it was like a fun thing for us to do, and mostly goalie and, and, and defense. Um, I was not great at it. Uh, but I was good enough uh, to stick with it and, and had fun with it. But I was, like I said, just so ignorant to the broader world. And if it weren't for like FIFA on the Sega Genesis, uh, <laughs> like that was probably my strongest touch point to, to the global sport. And and so this has been, I mean, I'm, I'm the first to admit, right? This has been an amazing learning opportunity for me to revisit so much about the sport but I also come at it in a pretty unique way because remember I didn't follow the sport at all, both men's and women's. So I'm actually coming into this sport now without any sort of, uh, I guess, let's say cultural baggage yeah. of like, oh right, I always watch the men play. This is clearly a men's sport. And it's it's funny because I still encounter from time to time, especially here in Europe, um, where I think there's just that cultural baggage or that cultural bias. I mean, look, it's in the U.S. It's, it's all over. Um, that I think just gives women's football in particular an advantage in the U.S. Mm -hmm. because this new generation coming up, the digital native Gen Z generation, just thinks very differently about the sport, right? They have have a Messi poster right next to an Alex Morgan poster, and that's great. And, And so I think that naivete actually was a bit of an asset for me because it seems very obvious that that women's football should be a massive success. Like it's just, 
I, I can't. I, 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 there's nothing I'm comparing it to in my head because it's just I don't know, that, that's what it is. I see you promoting Angel City whenever I see you on TV. How are you going about building Angel City as a club right now? And what's your involvement with that? I know Julie Ehrman runs the day-to-day. She's running the day-to-day. Yes, no, credit to Julie. She's our president. She's running the team. You know, the I really think of it similar to the way that I think about a lot of the investing that I do, which is it's it's not about – this is not some vanity project where I need to, like, lean back and feel good that, you know, I own a, own a sports club. Um, I think of it more like, like all the startups that I, I spend a lot of my time investing in, which is, you know, my job is to be an advisor. My job is to support and then help to put in place the very best people we can. And and I, I happen to like that. I think I think it's the best use of, of my resources. Um, I still do, and I'll, I'll, I'll shamelessly talk about this. Uh, one of my favorite things is, is again, bringing the perspective of, of a technologist to a sports club. And so one of the things we'll do, we, we do a bunch of limited run merch drops, these capsule collections. We have one right now credit to Julie and the team, every single bit, whether it is um, these limited run capsule collections of merch has a percentage, 10% going to charity uh, that we, we partner with. Um, every brand deal that we do also has a 10% commitment that goes back into the community in Los Angeles. Like They have been laser focused on building a club with the, the geographic community of Los Angeles. And being a technologist is extra helpful because like, let's say you buy one of those hoodies for the anti, it's an anti-racist project uh, hoodie and they look great. Um, I actually have, so we have an app here. I don't know if you can see this is in focus um, where then I get to, <laughs> let's see if we can get that there. Got I it. get to do a thank you video. So we might have to blur Emma's name, but so like, <laughs> Hey, Emma, this is Alexis. On behalf of all the Angel City owners, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, for supporting us and buying, gosh, three hoodies to support the Anti-Racist Project. They look great. You're going to look great. Thank you for supporting our club and a great nonprofit. And like, basically hey, make Emma, this little this video, Alexis, right? Boom, sent. So I just sent it to her, made her day okay, and I can knock out 20 of these. And I'll do this when, you know, if I'm walking around, you know, <laughs> waiting for my Uber Eats delivery. Um, because I want, I want every single one of our day one fans to feel like we give a damn because we do. And technology actually makes this really effortless. And in a world where you know people are flinging out cameos and all this mm-hmm. other stuff, being able to connect with a fan directly, thanking them sincerely for investing their hard earned dollars in our club to buy some merch to like rep us is the literally the least I could do. So. I'm I'm thinking about the ways that we can scale the great work the team is doing. I'm doing some of the little things that I can do to help. Um, but really, this is Julie's club, you know, and her founding partners, Kara Norman and Natalie Portman, um, are are also obviously very successful in their own careers. Um, but have said time and time again that Angel City is something that they really feel most proud of. Uh, which, which, given what Kara and Natalie have been up to, is is pretty special, and, and they're they're highly involved as well. Yeah, it's it's a great group. We've had Julie Ehrman on the podcast before. If any listeners want to check out that interview of her, right around when the team launched, um, how big do you think the NWSL can get in the coming years, like five years from now or or beyond? In, ter- in terms of number of clubs, or in terms of number of clubs, but just big in terms of like like. Uh, resonance in society. Oh yeah. Oh, let's get let's get into it. I think, and this is no disrespect to the men of the MLS. 
I absolutely think within the decade, the NWSL can be a peer to the MLS in terms of impact, in terms of dollars, in terms of all that stuff. And and if I'm looking really long term, I actually think we, we can can be bigger. And the reason for that comes down to, like I said, this generational shift that we're seeing. Um, and there's a sort of cultural shift that's happening. And it's not just about, you know, digital natives uh, who, who are very intimately connected to their favorite athletes, right? Because they follow them every day. They watch them train on Twitch or they see the photos they take on Twitter or whatever. They, they feel this direct connection. Because women so markedly outperform men in terms of content creation and content consumption online, it actually shouldn't surprise folks. And in a world where there's less competition, I mean, at the end of the day, the WNBA obviously is the, the one to sort of beat. I don't want to think of it as beating, but they're, they're the one to compete with in, in women's pro sports in the United States right now. But the field beyond that is fairly limited. Whereas on the men's side, the MLS continues to have to go up against, you know, tremendously well-ingrained and, and massive men's professional sports leagues. Um, but I saw a moment this past NCAA tournament, you know, everyone was caught up in the scandal of rightly so, you know, how under, supported the women's side was and their pathetic gym resources and all this stuff. And, you know, thankfully the NCAA was called out for it and did something about it. But the part that I was most like that I really noticed was by the time you got down to the final eight and you looked at the top most followed athletes from the final eight teams across both the men and the women, the women crushed the men in terms of follower counts and engagement. Why is that? That means for a generation, these are 18, 19, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, or whatever, um, the women are crushing them on Instagram and Twitter because that's democratization. That, you know, and this is, consider how much more publicity and intention and commercial dollars have been spent promoting the men's NCAA tournament versus the women's. And yet, you know, I mean, data doesn't care about your feelings. Like, the numbers don't lie. <laughs> People care more about these women than these men on these platforms where, you know, it's ubiquitous access and anyone can just hit follow if they want to learn more. And so I look at that energy and I'm thinking, man, if it's that, if, if it's already that skewed uh, in favor of the women in a scenario, a setting where, you know, the NCAA obviously has its agenda uh, that is not at all supportive of the women. If they can be that successful in right. spite of all of that bullshit, oh my God, what happens <laughs> when the market actually gets to properly value them and you actually got start to see this flywheel? Um, and, and then, again, you could just go back to the dollars. Um, you look at where brand dollars can get spent to actually move markets in terms of consumption and household spending. Like, There's a hell of a lot of brands that are even just you know, not even looking at pro sports or at least men's pro sports because they just don't see the return on investment that are going to open their coffers for things like the NWSL, WNBA and others um, as we continue to grow the numbers. But look, a lot of work to do for sure. But I do think we will be peers to the MLS in a decade. And and I, I very much think that there's potential to be even bigger. It's interesting because the top U.S. women's national team players do have huge social followings bigger than the u.s men's players so i'm curious to see how that progresses in the coming years with the nwsl i also mentioned you're an investor in the site gloria it's building a yeah. global community for soccer fans what does it do i think 
every social platform, the first wave of social, which you know I, I played a role in building for for better and for worse, has reached a point now where I think we're going to start to see this this sort of unbundling because large large communities like the global football community have so much content, have such a big audience that their existence on these other platforms is sort of uh, it, it's it's like a hack uh, in that you know none of these platforms were designed to commune about the sport. They just happened to be a place where highlight videos showed up or where fan videos showed up. And so it's inevitable that for these large communities, we'll see this unbundling. Gloria is, is, has built just that, whether it's you know sharing a trick video or joining into a forum or a live chat, uh, uh, you know that, that is gonna create a place. And I think very importantly, a, a place free of, or at least a, a platform that takes a clear stand against hate and harassment, which is, I, I really think sadly, gonna be a feature um, it is something that we're seeing more and more athletes speak out about. It's something that more and more fans are realizing is a really toxic problem. And you saw Marcus Rashford have to deal with, with all that bullshit. Um, that is unacceptable. And, and I think the vast majority of fans actually agree. They don't need that as a part of their experience. They don't get any value from seeing someone hurl a racial epithet at a player and they also don't want it because they're starting to realize there's another layer because there's still a human on the receiving end of it and and i actually believe that platforms like glory and others that very unequivocally say there's no place for hate here are going to have one more competitive advantage as more and more fans want that like by all means have the energy have the positivity have the negativity uh but but i think again this is a generational shift that's saying it's actually better for my user experience to not follow football on platform X or platform Y, but to follow it here. And, and that's the bet with Gloria, and, and we've seen, seen some great growth from Jump, um, but these are early days, and I think this next wave of social media is gonna be just a lot more thoughtful um, about things like this, because uh, we've, we've seen the, the dark parts of it, and we, it doesn't belong. We're winding down here with Alexis Ohanian. Appreciate your time. I, I've noticed on Twitter that you're also interested in sports collectibles, including for women's soccer yeah. players. That market yeah. it, that market's red hot right now. I just had a guest on talking about Pele and Maradona rookie cards going for far more than they ever went before on the auction. Yeah. What are some of your favorite women's soccer collectibles and, and what's going on in that market right now from your perspective? I so I'm I'm very long on this space. Uh and I I joked, I mean it's true, I was gifting my wife her rookie cards for the last couple of years <laughs> and and she really was at first very skeptical and probably would have preferred I get her like a Birkin bag. But <laughs> What she's now realized is the value of those cards is appreciated significantly. And, and I, I backed a company called Alt that's building this, this kind of, uh, basically a, to make it as easy to buy and sell these cards as, as stocks. And, and at the end of the day, the big trend here is, I think the, the market is gonna get even more liquid. It's still a very male dominated and you go to these card shows, it's it's a lot of dudes who are, you know, I mean, like the dudes just like me who who grew up collecting these cards. We're a little geeky. We're super, super, super into sports. Um, but again, like all things, it will become mainstream. 
And as it becomes mainstream because of better user interface, user experience, everyone's got a smartphone, um, it will inevitably get to parity of men and women. And so again, if I'm investing for 10 years out, 20 years out, I'm going to look for undervalued assets today that are nowhere going to appreciate a ton tomorrow. And it's been funny because it, it's largely been an American phenomenon the last 10 years. Cards have outperformed the S&P 500 in the last decade, and it, the S&P had a great run. But it's overwhelmingly American, so there's a lot of bias towards basketball. NBA cards are, are really the showstoppers. MLB have been the showstoppers of the biggest auction prices. But again, we live in a global world. If we believe 10, 20 years out, this becomes a ubiquitous asset class. You can go on alt just like you go on Robinhood. And, and just like you would buy shares of GameStop, <laughs> you could buy uh, into the Serena Index. Or you could buy into the rookie class of 2030 or whatever. Right? You, all of that stuff is going to get in some way sort of securitized. If that world is inevitable, I can't be stuck focusing on just investing in top basketball players that I know because I'm here in the United States, I have to think bigger. I have to look to global sport. And I think football has been one that's, that's come up quite well lately. I backed a company called SoRare, which is doing the digital sort of NFT version of this. So it brings in a fantasy football element, but with cards that you can buy and, and sell and, and really earn value on. That's going to be the next shift. Because again, I'm going to want to buy low. And you know, for it's funny. Even in the last couple of years, I was getting Alex Morgan rookie cards um, for a steal because they were horribly undervalued. Because the you know the dudes on eBay selling them were just like, oh, whatever. This is a thing that value has increased significantly. I hope it keeps going up. And what's what's exciting to me is you're again going to reach this parity, and and even as you start approaching it, you're going to have whether it's a uh, uh, I keep saying Alex, but like no matter who the players, when you see that Crystal Dunn card trading at a value that is at parity with a top male player, it's going to be really hard to still make the argument because that's like the purest version of the market. And it's going to be really hard to make the case that she's not worth as much. And she shouldn't be paid as much. And that's what's going to happen. The, again, the free market does not care about your feelings. And for all of the people who continue to find excuses for why the women, let's say the U.S. Uh, World Cup team, shouldn't be paid as much as the men, are going to have a really hard time <laughs> in the next few years because the market is already speaking. And it's still early, early days um, because what you're going to be able to tap into now is this energy. And it's the energy we've been very fortunate to tap into early on with Angel City FC, but we're seeing it now spreading across other NWSL clubs. We're seeing it across, I mean, even the, the WNBA kicking off their season to record numbers. Like, social media is, is real. That phenomenon is not going away. And if you look at the way that random people on the internet can buy up, I guess AMC is now the, the stock du jour, right? That is based on the mimetic strength within a community. And I'm sure there, there's some fundamentals there too. This is not stock advice, but that's never going away. That is a part of the new normal. And when you start thinking about what is the real strength, the mimetic strength and the community around women athletes, it is very strong. And, and, and it comes extra loaded with all the history of being undervalued and the chip on the shoulder 
And I'm, I'm excited to watch this continue to get momentum because there's a lot of people who long before I even got interested in it have been beating this drum. And, and I'm grateful we've got a number of 99ers you know, from that Women's World Cup team who are investors in our platform. These women were, talk about undervalued and underappreciated, yet paved the way for all of this work. And, and there's you know, decades worth of energy and momentum that I think we will see continue to build and build and build. And, and I'm excited to see it because I think it will actually, in, in from a very bottom up way, and again, not just because it feels good, although it will feel good, but because it actually makes sense, it makes financial sense, um, really, really shock a lot of people. So I'm glad we can play a small little role in it, but I'm, I don't know, I, it, it makes me excited. And again, as a father of a daughter, I'm even more selfishly motivated. Uh, and it shouldn't take that, but I'm telling you, it has something to do with it, which is I, I want to see that world. Because I, I, I think you know her mother and her aunt have done an amazing job fighting for pay equity in their sport. Uh, tennis, which has has you know bled over in other sports and certainly led the way, but um, you know Papa's very competitive, <laughs> and I know she's going to hear all about her mom and her aunt when she's growing up. But I need her to hear about her dad too, <laughs> and and the work he's doing. So uh, hopefully this can be uh, part of a bigger trend. One very last question for you here: yeah. You're a competitive guy. You I, no doubt want to have a very good team with Angel City. Mm-hmm. Just hired Eni Aluka, my former Fox yes. Sports uh, partner on the commentary for the World Cup in, in 2019. She's great. Um, mm-hmm. You haven't announced a coach yet or player signings. Mm-mm. What should we look for here? I, like, are, are you guys going to shoot for the moon in, in terms of who you hire and sign? I mean, without a doubt, right? The goal here is excellence. The goal here is greatness. Um, I'm not going to give you and There's no spoilers <laughs> to give out on this podcast, Grant. I'm sorry. Um, you're going to have to talk to her. I, I think that's that's also another thing. It's um, look, I know the things uh, that I am I am great at, and I and then everything else. the The goal here is to find people who are awesome and let them be great. And and we're very lucky to have her joining us as our sporting director. And there's more to come, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not giving you anything. And and she's going to be be in charge of uh, of helping bring on a really great club. Alexis Ohanian is an owner of Angel City FC, which starts play in the NWSL next year. He's also a co-founder and former executive chair of Reddit, prolific internet entrepreneur, including in the site Gloria, which is building a global community for soccer fans. Alexis, good luck with everything. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Grant. Appreciate you having me. And I, I forgot to shamelessly plug seat deposits. <laughs> if there, there's still a chance, if you want to join us there, uh, we'll be ready for the 2021 season. So we're taking on, or 2022 season. So we'll be taking on seat deposits. Fantastic. There. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Alexis Ohanian as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time.